A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rul Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversation. Welcome, Diana, in our podcast live at IMAX 2022 in Las Vegas. Thank you so much for having me. I'm yeah. excited to be here. So for the listeners, this is the first time I have ever a shower genius in my podcast. So and everybody was like, oh, my, my iPod or my earpods didn't work. So like, what a shower genius. Deanna, Deanna Brown Mitchell, CMP, DMCP, long time in the meetings industry, long time in... DMC work, and uh, now recently, um, at right in front of me, um, a book which is actually out a week now, right? The Shower Genius: How to How Self Care, Creativity, and Sanity Will Change Your Life, Personally and Professionally. Right? That's profound. Right? Right to start with. Would you mind to to tell me a little bit more about who you are and and maybe your background? Absolutely. I spent. 30 years in hospitality and events, and the last 10 years before COVID, I owned a DMC called Realize Colorado, which is how most people here would probably know me. And we did high-end corporate events, incentives all over the state of Colorado. So design, creativity was big, something I did on a daily basis and really enjoyed it. And then, and then, you know, that little COVID thing came along and we lost all our business for the year, which I know most people can relate to, except the kind of business we did is still not back. So I closed the business in 2020 and I started a nonprofit for mental health and suicide prevention. And so how did, how did it, that come to play? So what, what, how, <laughs> what made you do that? Well, I lost a friend that I had known for 20 years and the last time I saw him was actually at this show and it brought up the fact that I had been silent for 23 years about my own attempt. And I felt like I was being called to use my story to help others and to never be in that situation again where I, I feel like I could have helped and I didn't have the chance. Wow. That's okay, that's the first time I hear that, so I let that. I, I need to digest that, all right? So uh, I didn't prepare that that that's much okay. that, that that I. But it's but it's a that's a deep 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 story. Do you think there is any relationship relationship between our industry, the events industry, and 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 that? Is that why you wrote this book, or is that for a more broader audience? I think that the book can help a broad audience, but I really did focus on the event industry and entrepreneurs because that's who I was. And that's my experience. And I think that, you know, we do have a very stressful job. And I was talking to somebody earlier today about how this 
this cycle we're in right now kind of happened after 9-11 when people had all these corporate meeting planners and then all of a sudden they laid them all off because of 9-11 and then when they came back they didn't come back in the same numbers and so everybody had to do more with less and I think that's been going on for a long time and it wears on us and it it erodes at our family life and our personal life where work is always number one and we're away from our families a lot and stuff like that and so I think that is is why I wrote this book because we need tools in order to get our sanity back we need tools to figure out how to set boundaries and routines and things that can help us take care of ourselves better and put ourselves first because we're not good at doing that. <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah. I, I, that's very true. I heard a few stories in the in the, um, in the last few months that that actually back up your story in terms of people in production company. Like 40 years ago, first day of working, after 24 hours, the boss said, "Like you cannot, you cannot go home." And that was the first experience, first day of someone's first day of, of, in, in, in a job in production mode, right? So that is strange, right? So 24 hours of working, nobody can do that. So, and the other thing, what, what, I, what we all know is true to some research that event professionals have the most stressful job, right? Um, and that is for a reason, as you explained. So you chose to focus on the, on the people, right? Not on, the, on changing the industry or, right? You, you, you really very much focus on the individuals. You would like to help them make better choices? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of people right now that are focusing on the workplace and the cultures and those kind of things, and that's really, really important. But we can't depend on our boss to change our situation for us. We have to, we have to decide what's important to us and what boundaries we need to put in place for us and how to put ourselves first where we can get more what I call me time because whatever that means for you, it's it's the me time and the sanity that give us more productivity and more creativity to do our jobs better. And when we're working 20 hours a day, we don't our brain doesn't have time to come up with any solutions or to rest or to you know have any ideas at all. So I think like especially the the work you do with event design. If we don't give our brain some space, we can't have the creativity to come up with amazing, incredible event design. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that 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 is a very good point you're making, right? So this is one of the reasons why we started this out of maybe a fascination for events, but also a frustration that any anyone in the world knows everything about events. If you have done one wedding, or then you can also do a conference, right? So, or at least that, well, that's what people think. Um, and don't don't be too complicated about it. Like just make it, make it happen, right? Or if you talk, if you ask any questions, why you why do you want to do that, right? Yeah, but like last year, right? So I would like to do that, right? So keep on doing what you did, right? That is what that is what what you get back, or what people get back many times, and. We'd like to change that conversation. We would like to change that, the way business owners, event owners, but also event planners look at how events create value and how, how to do that best. And maybe what we are hoping for, or maybe hope is, a, is too soft, what we are looking, looking for is to enable professionals 
in this sphere, where when you work with events, when you're event owner or event professional, to spend more on design, which then eases the path towards the event, right? So if you have clarity before what's, what needs to happen, then you can plan much better, right? So and then you have that. So we have, we have clients and people in our, in our classes who have buses who, at the day before the event, change the whole schedule. Right, and that's and they are not alone. Right, there's there's many of those, and I think or we think that it's about that you don't allocate enough time beforehand before you even get into planning mode, because then there's no plan, there's no design. So that's what we, that, I think that's that's fully true. So how did you come up with? I'm, I'm intrigued by the book and and, and and your statement earlier, this the shower genius. Can you explain a little bit more what how people can use that? Yes. So it came about because after I closed my business in 2020 and I was home, which I, I wasn't used to being home a lot. And so I'd be home and I'd take a shower and I wasn't in a hurry to get somewhere and I'd have all these brainstorming ideas about things that I wanted to do and I would get to my desk and I couldn't remember any of it. So I would, i put a whiteboard in my bathroom and that's kind of how this started and so i started documenting the things that i had experienced whether it was stories about work or i just started journaling like a lot because i didn't i, I just was in a place where i was trying to figure it out and so through all of that i came up with this framework that that helped me get through a lot of things and i think you know losing my business was a blessing in disguise for a lot of reasons. It doesn't mean I don't miss it, but it it was, I feel like this is what I was supposed to do and this is why I'm here. And you said you you, you built a non-profit or you, you started a non-profit and that is, this is part of your non-profit? That book is not part of our non-profit, but we do have books that are part of the non-profit okay. and it's called The Realize Foundation and it was supposed to be the give back part of my Realize Colorado DMC and we were going to we were creating some team building and CSR activities around mental health awareness and stuff like that and then when covid happened and I closed the business I just really just started focusing on the foundation and so we have been publishing books and doing virtual events to create more awareness for mental health and suicide prevention. And the stories in our books are all different. They come from, you know, addiction or abuse or workaholics or, you know, all different kinds of stories that get people to the place of suicidal ideation. And so our mission is to reach people through conversations and community and personal story mm -hmm. so that we they know they're not alone and we have this community where they can come to events and write their story and tell their story which is very healing and we have a lot of video now to prove that so. wow so i'm a little bit hesitant and maybe that is i'm not the only one to actually use the cue you actually gave me earlier right so it's about your own attempt as you said right yes. so i think in this show at IMAX and any other show probably there's a lot of people who probably have these kinds of thoughts or even attempts behind them if you recognize behavior what 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 can what can we do right because this is a book you wrote exactly for those who are having these kind of issues and 
problems and not not the clarity in in their minds how, how can we help how can i help if i if i if i see someone who is obviously not really happy or what what would be your advice i think it's just knowing that you support them in whatever they need because sometimes people don't want to talk about it but you don't know how much it means for them to know that you care does that make sense so if if you can express in some way that you can tell you're having a bad day or, or something's going on and I don't know if you want to talk about it but I'm here I think it's it's a, a start and it makes people know that it's okay to come to you when they are ready to talk about it okay. or, or to ask for help maybe I mean we have some resources through our nonprofit that that really help loved ones who have like maybe children or, or spouses or family members who are in a dark place and they don't know what to do and they're scared to say the wrong thing. And so we have some videos and resources for that. But I think for for our industry, it's really about, you know, how, how can we stand up for ourselves? Because nobody's going to advocate for us like we do. And if we know that there's some part of our job or some part of whatever's going on in our life that is causing us to have depression or anxiety or whatever it is, then what can we do to change it? Good, good advice, right? So to just to, no, but just to open up, be supportive, op open, be open to, let them know that you're open to have, have a conversation if, if, if they want to, if they're ready for it. How can we, in the same, in the same fashion, how can we recognize behavior? Is there a behavior to Spot? Is that something like okay? These are these are the alarm bells. You need to now focus on. Can you? Is there any similarity between different different cases? Yes, I think that you know. I'm sorry. I was gonna I was gonna talk about something, but I don't think it's appropriate. So, I think that there are there are signs. Like if if somebody always comes to work and they're at their desk at 7 a.m. and they start coming in at 7:30, 7:45. Like, what's going on? If, if you notice that people are having a change in their, in their mood or getting irritated or, you know, just not the, their normal self, if you've worked with them for a while, mm -hmm. then I think that there's a reason for a conversation or at least to know, hey, I've noticed, like, you know, some of these things. What's, are you okay? What's going on? And I'm here if you want to talk about it. And I think that's... That, that's a big deal, but doesn't mean they're going to tell you. I mean, I didn't tell anybody for 23 years. And so you kind of survived yourself? Is that, you find your own way out? Is that what it is? Or did you have people who, who did support you, but they didn't know that they were supporting you? Well, I think that I had people who were supportive, but they didn't know the whole story. And that probably did help me. But to be honest with you, I work was my coping mechanism. And so I just worked all the time. And I, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. I had my first business at 14. So I, you know, I was very driven my whole life. And, and I think that part of that is what kept me sane. And so I'm, I'm kind of telling you the opposite of what I'm telling people to yeah. do. Yeah. But if for me, I, I didn't get married until I was 34. So like work was my life. Yeah. And, and it kept me on schedule, it kept me showing up, it kept me, you know, no matter what was going on, that's what 
I had to be there for. And so I think there's there's many other people in the world like me in that regard. But at the same time, we have to figure out how to treat ourselves better and put ourselves first. I think that's more culture-wise or more belief-wise or where, where, where you think that is. Because I, I think if you said, like, my... my, my my work was my coping mechanism. It's also like your work is probably your biggest pitfall, right? So in, in terms of like, this is probably what you, can I say that, what you do to block some other stuff? Or is that, right? So so that is, that is when you're in that kind of hamster wheel, how, how can you get out of that? How, how would you... How would you step out of, of those kind of because it's if it's, it's a coping mas- mechanism yeah. and that is, and if it works for you that's that's wonderful but still I would have wanted you to if I may say that right mm-hmm. to find another way of doing yes. doing that so how how would you uh, do you describe that in your book is there uh, in your methodology yes I do but I think for me the big thing that started the change was I had to have surgery. And I was forced to be out of work for two months. And that's what started the change for me. Because it made me realize how many things in my life I had to be grateful for that weren't even related to work. And how many people in my life that cared about me that weren't related to work. And and that I had neglected, you know, going to see my parents for decades because I was just always working. And stuff like that. So I think it's it's sometimes we get forced in a situation that we think is like, this is horrible. But at the same time, it turns out to be a blessing in disguise. Thank you, Diana, for this. Uh, this was not expected in a way, right? So I did some re- research um, on your book, but also on your LinkedIn profile. But of course, I could have never guessed yeah. that uh, this was the outcome. And I also appreciate that you would you share this with us. And for everyone who would like to know more about this, we will we will make sure we will share it in the bio. Can people buy it online? Yes, it's okay. on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Okay. And we have a a free sanity quiz. Okay. It is a QR code in the book. It's also on my website at dinabrownmitchell.com. Okay. So you can find any of that and, and learn more. And I would love to hear from people if they want to have a conversation or give me feedback. Good. We will, uh, we will make space for that in, our, in, our, in, the, in, the, in the link in our podcast. But it's, it's very good, I think, very wise to, make, to start making choices, to making your own choices. Work is not everything, right? There is also life after work or besides work, uh, I hope. But also in, in an in a industry where lots of women work, right? Uh, and many of them are also mother, right? So if, if they're gonna get a little bit of relief of their job, there's an, a family to take care of, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a hard world where you need to make conscious choices in what you do and what you really need to do and what, what you think you need to do, right? So and I think that is, that is an interesting journey and I wish everyone listening to this podcast lots of wisdom and maybe this book as a as a reference to if you're coping with these kind of choices that this book can help you yeah and and that's why it says professionally and personally because we do talk about in in the stages of the framework how it applies to your personal life as well as your work life thank you very much thank you this has been another episode of the design to change designer conversation series Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.